Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about biologicals and naturals, but we'd be happy to discuss anything going on on your farm. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD if you want to call in. Again, that's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, or Brian Hefty. All right, we'll get to the biologicals and naturals in just a minute here. Before we do, though, I guess I just wanted to say... Warm weather's finally here in the northern United States. I was just looking even at, I, I'm always curious, going way north. So I, I looked at Minot, North Dakota, and I think that's supposed to hit 85 degrees at some point this week. So that's exciting when the snow finally melts and hopefully people can get out in fields and get some farming done. So like in our case, we've had one of the long, historically longest and snowiest and coldest winters that we've ever had. It's been brutal. So I'm super excited to see the snow disappear. And actually, I'm very optimistic that late next week, or maybe even mid next week, we might be able to be planting. I'm hoping we can get out and do some spraying late this week, maybe some tillage. But I mean, almost as soon as we can do tillage, we should be able to be planting. So it's not going to be very long. That's encouraging, but one of the things that happens whenever the weather warms up real fast in this region of the country is the snow melts quickly, and then we have some river flooding for a few days. The reason why I guess I wanted to bring that up is let's say that conditions are fit for you today, but you know that to the north of you, or maybe to the south, depending on where you're at, the snow is still melting and there's a chance of river flooding, especially if at the same time the snow is melting, all of a sudden they get a two or three or four inch rain. That happened a few years ago. Things were looking dry. It's like, oh, the river's going to be fine. And then on top of right when the snow was melting, you get a whole bunch of rain. But anyway, I just wanted to bring this up because be a little bit careful about where you're spreading fertilizer and where you are spraying herbicides. Because on those types of fields, you might just want to wait, let things calm down a little bit, and then go from there, even if they might happen to be dry today. So just always kind of pay attention to ground that could potentially flood. Other than that, I will say a lot of people get excited when they see, oh, the soil temperature is 50 degrees. Okay, that's great to talk about in theory, but in reality, the soil temp doesn't just hit 50 degrees and oh it's always rising after that point we have a weather station or south dakota state has a weather station right on our farm and it's been super interesting to track soil temperatures for the last whatever it's been however long they've had that weather station here six seven eight years something like that because literally every five minutes year round <laughs> they check the temperature at multiple depths at four inches, at 20 inches, at 48 inches, at four feet down. I mean, it's great. So I can really see how these things vary. What I'm always looking for as we go through the spring here is the four inch soil depth. And you might say, well, that's deeper than you're going to plant. Yeah, I know, but I'm still curious what that is because the temperature at four inches is going to be pretty close to the temperature at two inches. And what we see from time to time is just dramatic swings in soil temperature in a single day, like to the tune of 20 degree difference or more. 
So some days it might say at some point, oh, it's 50 degrees, but I'm just trying to tell you here, it can also be on the same day or within a couple, three, four days down into the 30s. So the reason why I bring all this up is you might be thinking, wow, this is great. I didn't think I was going to be able to plant quite this early and now the weather warmed up and I'm going to go. And you might see warm soil temps and you start thinking, you know what? I was going to put seed treatment on my soybeans, but I think they're going to pop right out of the ground. I don't need that. Or, you know, this corn that I don't know if it's the best on cold germ, um, but the warm germ's really good. I'm going to plant that and I'm going to be okay. <laughs> well, you might be okay, but I just want to caution you that you have to look at the calendar so much more than the soil temperature. We've been talking about this for years, that I, I really don't care all that much about the soil temp on that particular day. Don't get me wrong. I would love to have it warm, and I would love to have it remain warm. But unfortunately, we farm in the northern United States where those two things just don't happen. So what we have to plan on is if we're looking at the calendar and we look at what the average temperatures are, we have to say, you know what, it's going to revert back to that at some point. I can't dream that in Minot, North Dakota, it's going to remain 85 degrees, for example, all through the spring, or even where we farm here in southeast South Dakota today, it's supposed to be probably 75 degrees. Do I think that's going to stay that way and we're going to have nice sunny days? I, I wish, <laughs> but no, we're like 20 degrees above the, uh, the normal temperature for right now. I, I mean, and I'm super happy about all that. Don't get me wrong. And I want to see it plant as early as you can. That's great. But please don't forget about the importance of seed treatments, fungicides, insecticides, just anything you might need to do to protect that seed, to help it get out of the ground more quickly. Uh, it, it's all really important. Now, I did mention that cold germination score. I just want to tell you this. I have, in, in, at least in my memory, and maybe my memory is starting to fail, but I don't remember a year where I have seen this bad of germination scores for brand new corn seed production. It's, it's a rampant problem in our industry right now. So farmers I've been talking to go, yeah, the seed company pulled the seed back. They had it delivered out, had to pull it back. I, I mean, everybody, it, it feels to me like everybody is dealing with this. And so I just want to, I want you to number one, think about that and understand, hey, there's just for whatever reason, whatever conditions we had, at least here in the northern United States, the corn seed production just wasn't very good. But the other side of this is if you didn't test your seed for the cold germination percentage, I'd be asking what that is. Maybe the seed company will tell you, maybe they won't. But don't forget warm germination scores, they're typically run at 77 degrees. 77. Well, our average soil temp won't hit 77 until probably the 4th of July here where we farm. So we like looking at the cold germination score. That's the biggest thing that we're looking at typically when we're going to plant besides seed treatment. Stay tuned. We'll talk naturals right after this. There are a lot of choices for closing systems in the market. 360 Wave has been topping them all in side-by-sides. More plants and ears, more bushels. They're in stock and ready to ship from 360. Most closing systems attempt to close from the top down. Wave closes from the bottom up, rolling moist soil over the seed, plus puts starter fertilizer in the sweet spot. There is still time to upgrade your closing system with 360 Wave. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. 
This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio today. We're talking biologicals and naturals. If you've got any questions for us about that or anything that's going on in your farm, you can give us a call 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email radio at agphd.com. All right, first on the show, we got Justin Clark with us. He's with BSF Down in North Carolina. Justin, how are you today? Great. How are you doing today, Brian? Excellent. All right, so we're talking biologicals and naturals, and I, when I, whenever I visit with farmers about this, I usually say, well, you know, you've probably been using a biological or natural for years and years in your soybeans, a soybean inoculant. A lot of times, we're, it's almost disconnected. People don't even think about, well, yeah, that, that's right. I have been using a biological product for years. It's all this kind of new wave thing that everybody's saying, oh, this is a, the new frontier and all that. I'm like, well, we, we have been using some things for a long time. So uh, talk to us just a little bit about what you're learning at BSF with rhizobia, bacteria seed treatments, and just uh, seed treatments in general in that category. Yeah, we like to say that rhizobia are really the, the original biological, right? Because yep. maybe growers, whenever they think about them, they think about maybe stirring in a, a peat product back years ago. It's kind of a messy process. Now we've really uh, changed the game in that regard. Now it's a high concentration liquid formulation that goes on when they're having their conventional seed treatment put on. And so it's very low use rate. And now we're able to add more things to that mixture where they're able to get extra protection from some of those common pests and diseases that they typically run into. So we've really changed the game and we've added some of these newer technologies and really changed that older technology that maybe growers think about. I was talking to a researcher once a few years ago uh, about rhizobia bacteria and he goes, you know, back in what he called the old days, he said back in the old days, we couldn't even really tell if 
a particular strain was good for helping us get a lot of nitrogen there or it wasn't. We just knew it was rhizobia bacteria. So how has that science progressed, especially with the work that you're doing, to identify the best strains that will provide the most nitrogen for a farmer? Yeah, that's a great question. And some of that background stuff that maybe growers don't think about, that's where we spend most of our time on innovating and bringing some new science to that, right? So uh, we make sure that we have the most effective strains for the specific geography that you're growing in, right? And so then we're <clears throat> scaling those up and fermenting those in uh, very uh, sterile, a very sterile process. You know, where we're manufacturing these things are often more sterile than an operating room. So completely different than how most people think about crop protection products. Uh, so we're bringing high counts of live rhizobia to it. So we're able to go in and guarantee a grower can have live rhizobia you know, up to 60 days before they plant their seed or treat their seed up to 60 days before they plant that seed and guarantee that they're going to have live rhizobia there on the seed in high counts to ensure maximum nitrogen fixation. You mentioned different strains for geography. Can you explain that a little bit? Because I think a lot of people just see, oh, it's rhizobia bacteria, and this should be good anywhere, whether it's my farm or anywhere around the world. So talk about that a little. Yeah, so that's really the, one of the biggest things where uh, we have uh, kind of discovered and developed these strains from right in uh, the, the geography here within the U.S., to make sure that it's suited for this environment where maybe some other folks will bring in South American strains that aren't really fit for growth in, you know, the Midwest or the Canadian prairies. That's where we discovered ours at and where it's uh, most effective at. So in terms of mortality, once that bacteria does get in the ground, you mentioned U.S. strains versus South American strains, just as an example. Are you saying then that the South American strains just wouldn't survive in our soils? What kills these rhizobia bacteria? Sure. It's just, you know, it's where these bacteria are from. It's kind of where they've, uh, they've adapted, right, over, over thousands of years. Uh, they've adapted to this specific environment. And so we know this is exactly where uh, they're most conducive uh, to uh, to be effective at. And so that's where we see it. And how we judge this is through rigorous field trials where we're seeing <clears throat> a good improvement of uh, with our new Vault IP Plus product. We're seeing over a two bushel yield increase above the untreated check and over a bushel yield increase above our primary competition. So, uh, you know, it's where we put the rigorous testing in at the front end of the lab scale all the way through to the field at the end of the year. So one of the biggest questions that I will get about inoculants is guys say, well, I've been planting soybeans every other year forever, so what do I need inoculant for? There should be enough live rhizobia in the soil already. Yeah, it's a... That's a really good question and, uh, and one that we get quite a bit, right, and one that we've clearly showed time and time again over the years by having that freshly produced live rhizobia delivered on the seed in high counts, 
and not just one that's in the background population uh, that maybe it's still alive there, but it's not the most effective and how we're developing ours in the lab and scaling that up. Uh, we were able to turn out a product that produces the highest nitrogen fixation uh, and giving that grower the highest yield potential at the end of the day. So two other questions that I got for you. When we're talking about ground that's had soybeans quite often, we do still see some yield gain, but certainly it's not going to be as much as if you've never planted beans there. So a lot of the guys that are planting beans for the first time in five or 10 years, let's call it. Heck, even on our farm, we have, we have some ground where we haven't planted anything but corn for 10 years. So if we go back to soybeans, how do you feel about double inoculant, double inoculation? Because oh. a lot of guys do talk about that in the, what we call very, very first year beans. Yeah. And, and to me, that is really, if, uh, if you're going into grounds that haven't had beans on it in a number of years, yep. or if it's a virgin site, right? To me, that is a no-brainer, and it's maybe one of the things that you don't hear inoculant companies talk enough about, but it's uh, we see a good yield increase, not just when you put on that base rate, but if you double that rate, and typically what we would say when we double inoculate, we like to recommend a liquid application on the seed or a granular in furrow, or if you don't have that ability to put down a granular in furrow, which a lot of people don't in their beans, then we're talking about using something like a sterile peat on the seed. Yep. That way you have two different forms. Yep. And we were really able to see a good yield increase uh, uh, by several bushels around uh, above what you would get back with just that single inoculation. So if, you, if you're listening to this today, it's just good sound science as you're inoculating going into ground that hasn't had beans or a legume in a number of years. Make sure you double inoculate. Whenever we say double inoculate, try to switch the formulations. And if you can't do that, at least double the liquid rate that you're putting on seed. Yeah, most of the guys we work with, they go liquid on the seed and then they add some peat to the uh, planter box or drill or whatever. Okay, last question, and we only have about a minute left. When I was down in South America, this is like 15 years ago, I was talking to the Soybean Association Brazil, and they said, hey, do you guys have people talking about this particular thing in the United States? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, we're getting extra pounds of nitrogen after the season in inoculated crops versus when we don't inoculate with rhizobia bacteria. So there's actually more nitrogen left for the next crop. Have you done any of that research and have you seen that? You know, it's one of the things, and I know there have been a lot of university agronomists, especially in the Midwest, over the past uh, quite, a, quite a long time looking at this, right? And I would say there's mixed science out there uh, on it, but yeah, it's definitely one of the things that we that we've seen uh, through some studies over the past several years. And whenever, you know, th there's a lot going on out there. Everybody hears the word sustainability on a daily basis, right? But to me, there's almost nothing more sustainable in agriculture than using a rhizobial inoculant for legumes because it produces, it causes that legume crop to capture that atmospheric nitrogen and convert it into a usable yep. form well said. stored in the plant's roots. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TriVoltInAction.com. 
TriVolt is a restricted use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. This is Officer Jones calling for backup. 10 4, location? Craver back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer amaranth, kochia, some common water hemp. Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending Tough 5 UC. Come out with your hands up! Guys, we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5 EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgian Crop Protection. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest-lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kochia, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Head over to your local CNB to get yourself a new John Deere planter or schedule inspections to make sure your equipment is as ready for spring as you are. Visit CNB Operations online at DeerEquipment.com. That's D-W-E-R Equipment.com. Morton buildings are made to last for generations. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, we are committed to quality. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at FarmShopMFG.com. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Right before the break, we were talking with Justin Clark with BSF. Ran out of time there, but with inoculant, we do encourage you try some of these new strains out. We've seen really good results. It's very inexpensive, and even if you only gain a bushel or two for the investment, it's a tremendous return. So it is something to take a look at. Now, he said live for 60 days. I'm, I, I just want to caution you on this. If you're thinking an inoculant is just going to last forever, it doesn't work that way. For one thing, even throwing it in your pickup cab and you put it up on the dashboard and it gets to 110 degrees in there, you have a good chance of killing some of your live rhizobia bacteria off. Just keep in mind, whenever we're talking about some of these biological and natural options, if it's live microbes, anything that's alive, we have to keep it alive until it gets into the field. And 
So if it's in bad conditions, especially heat, that's not good. Also, if you're going to treat 60 days in advance, we are never going to recommend that. You're going to have mortality. Now, are you still going to have a lot that are alive 60 days later? Sure. But personally, I'd rather have 100% alive than 50% or 30% or 70%, whatever it is. So ideally, we'd love to have you treat the seed and then go right to the field or fairly quickly. So that would be our number one recommendation with that. Okay, next on the show, we've got Doug Phelps. He is with SIPCAM over in North Carolina as well. Hey, Doug, how are you today? I'm doing well, Brian. Thank you for having me today. You bet. So with SIPCAM, you have a number of different products that would kind of fall into this biological, natural category. Uh, where, where do you want to start? What do you get the most questions about? Probably with the timing that we've got uh, just before planning here, there's there's still an opportunity with our Concans WG, which is Conotherium minicans, and that is a white mold uh, targeted product. Um, we typically uh, run into application issues with either it being a late spring or an early uh, fall, and the weather is prohibitive to getting the content sprayed out onto the field, but it looks like in, you know, with the uh, North Dakota weather aside, there are a lot large parts of the Midwest that uh, are getting planting underway, and and the contents would be a good opportunity to take advantage of this season and start controlling the white mold at the source. Okay, let's talk about this just a little bit more. From what everything that I understand, Contans is a fungus that literally eats the white mold sclerotia, so basically the fruiting body, the seed in effect for the the white mold, the sclerotinia white mold fungus, right? Yep, and, and and this is this is one of the as I've looked through some of the research in the past, I think some of the researchers out there have a different uh, concept of how uh, contents works. Contents needs to land on a sclerotia body in order for it to to eliminate the uh, sclerotia. Okay. Contents isn't a microbe that that benefits and pro- proliferates in the soil and goes on to live and and go seeking out the uh, sclerotia body. So okay. that's one of the reasons we're, we're always recommending higher use rates of, of water to get the coverage and therefore to, to spread that AI out to have it land on that sclerotia body in that top two inches of soil. So that is very critical to a content application. Okay, so how about if the ground was worked last fall, and most people don't moldboard plow or anything so it's fairly light tillage but let's yeah. say you worked it last fall yeah. are you going to lose most of the effectiveness of the contents if a bunch of those sclerotia are now buried down in the soil an inch or too deep the the reality is you most likely brought up some fresh sclerotia in in the process of plowing <laughs> so that's why the, the contents yeah <laughs> would would prefer yearly applications People tend to just put it on right before the soybean crop. Yep. But as we like, as we like to say these days, white mold is an STD, and you need to get it taken care of. It's a soil transmitted disease, and you need to, to to continually apply that if you have white mold in that field to continually eradicate those sclerotia bodies that are either in the top two inches of soil 
or being brought up in the process of working the ground. Can you put contans with, let's say, a herbicide or some, or a fertilizer, something else that you're spraying out there? Yeah, the most common application is going to be with that pre-emergent herbicide, yep. post-emergent herbicide um, type of application. If you put it with fertilizer, the salt is going to kill the, the, the microbe. If you put it with a fungus, it's going to kill the microbes. We want to stay away from fertilizers and, and fungicides. The uh, herbicide application is a great cake mix partner and a convenient trip across the field. Yeah, and then the other thing is just be careful about the water quality because chlorine, for example, also kills microbes. you got to treat your water for exactly. things like that. Okay, uh, what else did you want to get to today, exactly. Doug, other than other than contents? Well, outside of the outside of the living microbial community, we have um, you know our, our line of biostimulants that have been essentially uh, you know in the soil, degradating for millions of years, and and that's Reverb and, and uh, um, Mutex EDA, nice good tank mix partners to go in in furrow at planting with your foliar applications, and that's just providing that uh, natural. Uh, transport and, and complexing uh, capabilities to that fertilizer to help get the most out of that and into the plant, maximizing yields. So biostimulants, that word gets thrown out real often. But uh, so I guess, why don't you just explain that a little bit and, and how are Reverb and Nutex in that category? So if, if you think about you know, if, if you think about the planting environment you're putting your crop in, there is, you know, sand, silica, clay, there's the, the, the actual physical soil structure, but within that there is humus, and, and humus is a byproduct of the decomposition of all the organic materials over time. That is, is, is Mother Nature's way of providing a complexing and a root stimulation component to the soil. With our, our farming uh, practices and, and high yield and really starting, you know, to, to not uh, disc crop residues into the soil like we used to do, we're not getting enough of these humic substances supplemented back into the soil. So these biostimulant products like humic acid, folic acid, amino acids are things that you can put in a tank mix on a trip across the field and supply a concentrated active ingredient of what that soil is lacking right in the right uh, application zone of at planting or two by two and with the fertilizer or foliar applied to provide the crop those benefits that they use, that the, you know, Mother Nature has, has provided. All right, so what's the real big difference between Reverb and Nutex EDA? When would you use the one? When would you use the other? What we want to do is focus Reverb on any of any soils that are that are 2% organic matter or lower because of the, the additional long-chain carbon that, that comes in Reverb. That gives uh, the, the nutrients and, and fertilizer more hang time in that in that planting zone so that the crop can access those nutrients. Anything with a 2% or higher, there's plenty of humic substances in those soil conditions, and we just focus on the short-chain, most plant-active fulvic fractions in that environment. Yeah, I was just looking. I had a... For any foliar application? 
I was going to say new text for foliar and reverb specifically for soil applied applications. Got it. Yeah, I was just answering a question this morning from a farmer, and he was talking about some fertilizer that he was going to buy. Well, he goes, okay, well, it's got carbon in it. I'm like, okay, what are, you, what are we talking about here? But yeah, there are a lot of things now where they're combining fertilizer with a humic or fertilizer with a fulvic or something like that. So it can get a little complicated and confusing. Hey, Doug, thanks a lot for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Hope you have a great spring down there. Yep, you too. Thank you, Brian. Yep. All right, we are talking biologicals and naturals on the show today, but if you've got a question for us, just give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Get what you spray for. Results. Get the lasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. My mom's got a new case I extractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Nothing gets a better view of your crops than your pivot. Plant Insights powered by Prospera transforms your center pivot into a crop health monitoring machine. Be one of two growers to get Plant Insights on your farm with a free one-year subscription. Enter to win at agtechonthefarm.com. With Plant Insights, you can see everything your pivot does all season long, from emergence to pests, weeds, and disease. Enter today at agtechonthefarm.com. With Plant Insights, you'll walk away a winner. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. From the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead, Morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance. It's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high-quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com.
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. I've been talking biologicals and naturals today. I'm going to jump back to the phone lines. Got Robert calling in from Illinois. Hey, Robert, what's going on in Illinois today? We're out playing in the mud, Brian. <laughs> uh, get get getting ready. Getting ready to do some planting. Go ahead. What was that? Um, well, I need to get away from the backhoe. Um, oh. <laughs> we're patching a, a tile that we put in for a neighbor and uh, patching a, a fixing a, a tile that we plowed through. So um, I got three questions. If you can answer sure. one of three or two of three or whatever. <laughs> I'll uh, do my best. <laughs> okay. We've been using citric acid for years to adjust the pH in our water. Yep. Um, and now we have, following labels or recommendations, we've been using water right on some of our uh, products. Sure. And um, does, it, does it adjust the pH itself? Yes. Usually we find in our tests that the pH will go down to five and a half or six, kind of in that range with that particular water treatment product. Uh, doesn't cost very much money. It's a lot of times right. in the 25, 50, 60 cent an acre range. Just all depends on how much water you're using. How much was the citric right. acid costing you? I'm, I may not be up to date on the on the price, but I'm thinking in the past it had been 20, <laughs> 10, to, 10 to 30 cents. Yeah, but, okay. Uh, so not a whole lot different. That, that was, yeah, that was yeah. probably my big question. But yes, the okay. water water right will chelate some of the hard water, or it will tie up, sequester basically some right. of the hard water ions like calcium, magnesium, and iron. Citric acid can do that same kind of thing as can most of those sequestering agents that we use. It's very important when we have things like Roundup, just as an example, that can get tied up to some degree or some of the effectiveness is lost because of those hard water ions. All right, what else do you have for questions? Okay. Um Next, I'm going along with apparently your theme for today. Um, we're going to be testing some biological products in furrow. Okay. Uh, do you think it's if we deal with the chlorine and uh, and um, you know use the water right or whatever whatever's recommended? Are we better off just using you know straight water and not messing with any fertility or fungicide? type products, insecticide products in that in the furrow? Well, it, 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 it really depends on your situation. Let's put it this way. If I had tremendously high soil fertility, and even like Doug Phelps was talking right before this, he said if you've got really high humus levels in your soil, high organic matter levels. Okay, if you had high organic matter and you have really high fertility, then the need for adding more fertilizer at that point is going to be less. Even the need for adding a humic acid, definitely going to be less. But if let's say you're farming some soils that are really depleted for whatever reason, and you, you're getting some yield bump from the fertility, you don't really want to pull that out. So that gets to be the concern. And some people will go, well, I'm going to put some in furrow and I'm going to do some two by two. I'm going, okay. <laughs> there aren't a lot of people out there that are willing to go to that extreme. Like us on our farm, we put a Thrive 3D system on. So that's how we're putting our fungicide out there, with the, the Zyway we're going to use. And then we're doing other stuff in the furrow. So we have separated out, but there just aren't a lot of people that run two systems so what 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 are you trying to accomplish here and, and what are your soils like 
we're just going to be fooling around with some of the nitrifying bacteria and um, Got it. just kind of in a, in a testing phase. Now, we, we have had, we had a very positive experience with uh, N-Hydro a couple of years ago. Okay. I think that's the product you guys sell. Okay. And so I think we're going to be using a good bit of it. And uh, so I, I guess specifically on it, would would fulvic acid be a negative in furrow with the N-Hydro? No. No, definitely not. Okay. Um, I, okay. I, I would just say this. You brought up chlorine, and I just want to make sure, like, with everybody here, I'm, I'm crystal clear on this. You're not going to find citric acid or water right or any common sequestering agent right. doing anything to the chlorine. That's going to take a separate right. treatment. So, like, in our farm, the product we use is called BioPrep, and it probably costs three cents an acre, five cents an acre, something like that. Very inexpensive, but you got to find something different to neutralize that chlorine and what we're doing is we're taking the chlorine turning it into chloride which is a plant nutrient the chlorine will kill the microbes so i don't care what living microbe it is if it's somebody's nitrogen product or whatever it is you gotta make sure or rhizobia bacteria like we were talking about earlier today you if you put that with water you gotta make sure that chlorine is neutralized otherwise you're in trouble we we got the bio prep on hand so i think we got that that covered just the last question then is i'm not asking on behalf of myself and nobody asked me to ask the question but there's a, a tillage trend in our neighborhood that some of a couple of the the big mega farming operations 10 20 000 acre guys have went away from uh disc chisels that yep. where they've been running maybe 870 875 type disc chisels sure and they're using high speed discs on their corn stalks to incorporate their fertilizer and to, and to deal with the residue then the following year on on the bean stubble they're just coming in with an inline ripper to deal with compaction and going into their corn do you think long term that they might have an issue with um, uh, fertilizer stratification where they're just maybe you know working just in the top two or three inches we we strip till so it's not a it's not an issue with me but i'm just like if I was going to be doing something kind of more conventional tillage, it, that looks like that system's got a lot going for it. But okay. I didn't know what you thought on the well, facility. Well, sure. And I, I will say it's going to vary a little bit based on where you farm. So me, for example, we're, we're in an area that unfortunately goes quite often without getting rain. The la- We'd been in drought basically for two and a half years, starting about the 4th of July in 20, what would that be, 2020, uh, just barely had any rain. And since then, um, we have been very concerned about that, obviously, because the top part of the soil is going to dry out very quickly, whereas in our heavy soils and cooler climate, we actually do have some moisture quite often down at 6, 8, 10 inches deep. Well, our concern is if we don't have any fertility there, it's nice to have the water, but we need plant food as well. So it's more of an issue for us than it would be for you where you get, let's call it 50, 70 percent more rainfall than we do. So you can keep that topsoil wet uh, on a regular basis because there are some roots up there. Granted, it's not the majority of roots, but still there are probably enough there in a lot of cases to extract those nutrients. I'm not super worried about it, but that soil's got to be wet often because every day that plant needs plant food. So yes, I would be concerned about stratification, but I would say it's going to be less of a 
a yield penalty for you than it would for me. And it really just has to do with climate. Yep. Okay. So I, I thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Oh, hey, one thing I'll tell you too, Robert, since you asked about in-furrow stuff, I'll just tell you exactly what we're doing on our farm. I already mentioned Zyway that's going in-furrow. So in addition to that, we are doing... Uh, our, I believe we're using it too. Okay. So, yep. So I've got the Zyway going with the Thrive 3D system. So what we're actually doing in furrow, we're putting on insecticide. We're putting on just a little bit of low salt fertilizer, a couple gallons. Uh, then we've got uh, some microbial uh, microbial product microcycles, the one we're using. And then uh, Doug Phelps is talking about Nutex EDA. We're using that. And then we've got a couple of these water treatment products. So we are doing some stuff there, but when we're putting biologicals out, we're using low salt fertilizer at a low rate, and we're also blending this off with water to hopefully keep the uh, the microbes alive as long as we can. I'd also tell you, uh, so one of the things Doug Phelps mentioned in that last segment was high salt things are very detrimental to these microbes. But we, what we try to do is test the different things that we want to put together. So we'll send it off to a lab out on the West Coast and say, okay, we're going to use this product together with this one and this one and this one. <laughs> so they've run all these tests for us. So then we find out, okay, how long does stuff survive? Does it not? But I, I think that's kind of essential. It's one of the things really for anybody listening, just ask the company you're purchasing these biological products from if they've done some of the different mixes, kind of like uh, like we were talking about today. Robert, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Good luck this spring. Okay, thank you very much. You bet. All right, stay tuned. We'll talk a little more about biologicals and naturals next. When it comes to serial disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. 
At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. The weeds are coming! The weeds are coming! Hey! Paul Revere! This whole midnight ride thing is getting really... But the HPPD-resistant weeds are coming. We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Oh, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! We're talking biologicals and naturals here on Ag PhD Radio today. I haven't had a chance to tell you about all the different things we've been looking at in our research, and we only have 10 minutes left in the show, so I, I can't get into too much detail. But I, I, I just want to give you some of these different categories and a couple that we didn't really get much chance to hit. So we did talk about organic acids a little bit today, humix and fulvix, and so like Doug Phelps was talking about the humix, we're seeing the most response from, I call it the worst ground. Okay, so that's where our research has shown the really low organic matter stuff. We've seen good results. We've actually seen some tight, heavy soils, really high pH, poorly drained. Humix have worked fairly well there too. And when you stop and think about it, okay, like Doug said, we're trying to kind of replace what humus might do in the soil. And so you go, well, wait a second, how, how come the super heavy stuff that's got a fair amount of organic matter, why would that be, a, why would you get any response there? Here's why. Because when you've got tight, poorly drained, high pH soil, in order for some of these things to break down, what has to happen? Microbial activity. Well, how much microbial activity are you going to have when you flooded your soil out? How much microbial activity are you going to have when you got an eight and a half pH? And just and or super tight compaction, things like that. So I, I believe that's why we're seeing more response there. All right, so humic, more the soil product. Fulvic, we talk about inferro applications, low rate. We talk about getting nutrients, getting fungicides into plants a little bit better. That's kind of where we've seen the best results with fulvic. All right. The, the one category we didn't really hit today was plant growth hormones, everything from auxins, cytokinins, gibberellic acids, something we're going to be spraying in our silage coming up here fairly soon, uh, GABA, I mean, a, a bunch of different plant growth hormones. So I, I just wanted to mention those today because we're using plant growth hormones every single year on every crop that we raise. I'm not saying... Every plant growth hormone out there is great or anything like that. But I would encourage you learn a little bit more about these things because very often you're spending four or five bucks and we're quadrupling our return or more, in some cases a lot more. We've also seen things like where we use Megagrow, that's the only patented safener for Roundup. That's got plant growth hormones in that. We see faster recovery with that plant and a lot less yellow flash. Then you get over to some of the different living organisms and biostimulants. Uh, again, that was 
Doug Phelps was talking about humix and fulvix, we often think, too, about some of these living organisms as biostimulants, like some of the nutrient solubilizers that are out there. Some of the things where basically we're putting microbes into the soil to try to get nutrients more available in forms that the plant can use, and then we see where that plant takes off. We actually, we've done all kinds of testing on this, and where some of these products are used, we are finding higher levels of nutrients in the plant. And so then that helps explain why we're seeing yield gain. Now, for some of the living organisms out there, you've heard about some of the different biopesticides, biofungicides. Uh, I, I, I mean, it would be great if someday we had all kinds of biological options so we could control the weeds, the insects, diseases, without having to use synthetic pesticides. We're not even close to being there yet. But there, there's plenty of research going on. Hopefully we'll have options in the future. Amino acids, another thing we use on our farm. Um, Robert, that called in just a little bit ago, mentioned nitrogen replacement products. So these biological nitrogen products, and I'm not talking about the rhizobia bacteria that we talked about earlier in the show today for soybeans. What I'm talking about is some of these products that are now getting used in corn. And no, the corn plant can't all of a sudden magically produce its own nitrogen, but these these products are creating nitrogen in plants. And last year, I think we tested, I don't know, six, seven, eight different products. Some, it was probably eight. And every single one of them worked. They all produced nitrogen for the plant. The problem was none of them produced nitrogen at a price per pound of nitrogen that was cheaper than what you can buy commercial nitrogen for today. But like I, so I was talking to a bunch of agronomists about this this winter, and they're like, well, so we need to just forget about all these biological nitrogen replacement products and go, whoa, whoa hold on, because you don't know what the cost of production is for any of these things. If all of a sudden one of these companies that's got a biological nitrogen replacement product comes out and says, you know what, we're cutting the price in half, we're cutting the price by two-thirds, whatever, all of a sudden I'm going to go, hey, this really makes a lot of sense. Or if, let's say, the nitrogen price goes way back up again. Or let's say you're regulated on how much commercial nitrogen you can use. So there's a future for that, that whole market. There's been a lot of talk out there. And again, I'm, I'm not saying, oh, go use a bunch of these products. But I am saying so the science keeps getting better, so we're really excited. And then I guess just to wrap things up on this biological natural conversation, we'd really encourage you test your water, find out what's in your water before you start using live microbes because, and I don't care, even if it's inoculant or something and you're just mixing a little bit up so you can spray it off on your, on your soybeans or whatever. The point is, if you have anything in there that's detrimental to those microbes, it may kill them or it could very much shorten their life cycle. So this is another thing that we've done lots of testing on and Boy, I'll tell you what, if you, and we screwed this up our, ourselves. Well, actually, I did because I started using some water that had chlorine in it. I wasn't even thinking about it. And our guys are like, um, these biologicals are dead. I go, what do you mean they're dead? And they're like, hey, uh, what kind of water are you using now? I'm going, oh, yeah, that's right. That's the purpose of chlorine in there is to kill microbes. So make sure you neutralize that. And then also even things like calcium, magnesium, iron, copper. Copper is another one where, believe it or not, some people just out of their wells have enough copper in there to kill off a fair amount of microbes. So just make sure you know what kind of water you're putting these things worth with and 
just talk to your agronomist if you've got any concerns about any of that, and hopefully they can help guide you through that. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, first one comes in from Keith. He sent us a picture of a weed. He says, I'm having a hard time identifying the name of this weed. I think it's in the same family as wild mustard, but it looks a little different from the photos I see on the internet. Um, Keith, it really looks like wild mustard to me. I, I, I don't know what else that would be, but it sure looks like wild mustard to be. So if it's not, or I mean, if you really think it isn't, I can, we can take a little harder look, but I mean, when I looked at it, it sure looks like wild mustard and we've got plenty of options to kill wild mustard. When Darren and I were growing up on the farm, we used to raise a fair amount of small grain and our dad would literally have us go pull wild mustard by hand. Now, granted, we had to pull a lot of weeds in in soybeans, and I especially hated milkweed because it would pull so hard, and then the milkweed would come right back because it's got a perennial root and everything. But anyway, there were a lot of weeds that were hard to pull. I never found mustard was hard to pull. So anyway, (laughs) but fortunately, we have plenty of herbicides that now kill that particular weed. All right, next one is from Kenneth. He says, "I, I have a problem with Johnson grass in my meadows. I was wondering what will kill it. Is it toxic to livestock? All right, so Johnson grass is uh, it, it's a tough perennial weed. If you have Bermuda grass, then it, let's say it's a Bermuda grass pasture. There are plenty of products that are labeled. Now, they're all ALS products like uh, Pastora, Outrider, Impose. So as long as your Johnson grass is not ALS resistant, you should be in pretty good shape. Um, as far as if, let's say you want to, you, you go, Ooh, it's kind of, I think it's ALS resistant. Now I got to do something else. Technically Roundup is labeled here again. You might have Johnson grass resistant to Roundup, but you can actually go spray Roundup in pastures. Now you're, you're going to, Okay. Whatever pasture grass you have, it's a perennial. Johnson grass is a perennial. And the theory is you're going to put enough Roundup on there to hopefully knock down the Johnson grass pretty hard without so much that you kill the pasture. (laughs) I've never really liked that theory. Uh, A lot of people do like um, going with real low rates of Roundup, but a real low rate of Roundup probably isn't going to do it on your Johnson grass anyway. And yes, uh, Johnson grass can be toxic, to uh, to livestock, it's it's not always, uh, but it basically can produce high levels of uh, prussic acid, and that's what ends up causing the problem. Oh, I should mention too, I don't know what kind of meadow that you have, so maybe if you want to send back to us what kind of meadow we're talking about, I can give you a better recommendation. Uh, let's say it was alfalfa. You can go kill Johnson grass. Well. I don't know if I'd say kill, but you'll really suppress it hard with a high rate of clethodim or cethoxidim or something like that, one of those good grass killers. Uh, you just have to keep hitting it time and again, and eventually your Johnson grass will disappear. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our show today. And uh, I guess before I go, I just want to say thanks to Alex. He was producing the show for us today. Thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.